Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Paperlake. Learn more at paperlake.com slash iPadPros. We work with blueprints all the time. And in my role now, where I'm not just a, a programmer and systems integrator, I'm a project manager. I'm dealing with large-scale prints. Right now, on a, an NBA basketball arena, there's obviously a lot of equipment in this building. And while I originally started taking the job off when we were estimating it using a paper set of plans like we would have in the past, I've moved more and more until now. Everything is exclusively done on the iPad. I mean, what happens when you lose those paper plans? What happens when you need to share those details with somebody else? Very limiting. Having that on the iPad and all digital has, has been a, a huge step up for me. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. As you just heard at the top of this episode, this episode is sponsored by Paperlike. I'll have more to share later in this episode about Paperlike. But a great way to support the podcast is by going to paperlike.com slash iPadPros and learning more about the Paperlike. Up next is an interview I did with James Rogers. James is the managing editor at iPad Insight, but we spend the majority of our time talking about how he uses the iPad in his home life and work life. James is a project manager and programmer in the commercial and industrial automation industry. So we dive deep into how he uses the iPad in this context. With that, as a reminder, you can contact me for, with any feedback you have by emailing iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. You can support the podcast by going to paperlike.com slash iPadPros. Get bonus content and episodes early at patreon.com slash iPadPros. And if you haven't left a review yet in Apple Podcasts, I'd be very appreciative if you could just spend a few minutes to do just that. With that, here's my interview with James. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, James. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Thanks uh, for spending some time to chat about iPads and uh, understand you have quite a history with the iPad starting back in the early days, back in 2010. Yes, I, I do go back a little ways. Just to introduce myself, my name's James Rogers. Uh, I'm the managing editor at iPad Insight, a site that's been around since the, the beginning days of the iPad. Uh, I actually wrote for the site off and on a little bit back in those early days. A gentleman named Patrick Jordan founded it. So I did a little bit of writing there and several other places after that. Ended up coming back three years ago. A friend of mine still wrote there after Mr. Jordan sold the site. And after he stepped away, I, at the moment, I am the only writer. So uh, I guess that's where my managing editor title comes from. Uh, but it's a gig I've definitely enjoyed. Maybe not the one of the bigger Apple or iPad sites around, but definitely a, a fun site to work for. Great owners that give me a lot of leeway to explore whatever subjects, sometimes even things that uh, aren't Apple or are parallel to the iPad, like competing devices, which is always good. As far as my history with the iPad, I do go back to, to 2010. I did not get one at release. Funds were tight enough that that wasn't possible, but I remember expecting during the Steve Jobs announcement of the device a little bit higher price tag. So when I heard that it would start at 499, I knew I would get one. And uh, later that summer, I, I did get my first iPad. And other than a, a brief gap around the iPad Air, Air 2 timeframe, uh, I've had an iPad most of that time since 2010. Excellent. And you've been working with keyboard cases since I think the iPad 2 is what we were chatting before the show started up. Yeah, that became an interest of mine early on. Wasn't something I necessarily expected 
uh, would be. I, I had originally, when I got my first iPad, I did some of the writing for the site on it. I guess looking back to 2010, one of the attractions to me writing on an iPad, whether initially the on-screen keyboard proved to be clunky, so I moved to a Bluetooth keyboard pretty quickly, even with the original iPad. But the fact that it was an instant-on device, being a Windows user, you know, back in 2010, that's really... The SSD was probably around at that point, but would have been a very pricey accessory and most computers would not have had them at that point. Typical boot up time, even with our laptops, which are typically a little bit on the higher end in the industry I work in, in 2010, 2011, when I started really using the iPad a lot more and progressively more for work and for tasks that I would have normally used a PC for before, those computers could take 60 seconds to five minutes to boot up and be stable and and ready to, to fully run anything you wanted to do where you could pick up an iPad and hit the, the wake button and work immediately. Yeah, with all those login items, <laughs> that stuff can take a while. Absolutely. So what's your current setup? I'm working on a 2018 12.9-inch iPad Pro. I initially got a 2020 to and assumed I would keep it, and I ended up returning it just because it was such a minor upgrade that I didn't see a reason to give up a device that uh, is still in very good working order. Because of some testing I've been doing with the Magic Keyboard, I plugged it into my computer with iMazing and did a battery test on it recently, and it's still at 94% capacity, so still a, a good working device. It sounds like a bigger iPad upgrade or iPad Pro upgrade will be coming next year. Figured I'll just hang on to this one for a little while longer and wait for the bigger upgrade and maybe pass on LiDAR for now. So I want to dive into how you use the iPad just in general first at home. And at home, I'd imagine it's largely entertainment, but also everything we used to do with computers at home, I'd imagine too, right? The iPad Pro, since I got the the first one in 2016, really became my my home computer. Uh, By that time, I did have a a Windows machine for work that had an SSD and could boot up fast and uh, was much easier to use, but I still prefer the touch experience when using the device on my own to surf. I I prefer Still prefer the instant on of the iPad and just the ease of use, the ability to use it with a keyboard or or undock it. Uh, I have a Lenovo Yoga, which you can, I've had those uh, yogas for a few years now for work. And you can fold the screen back behind the keyboard, but that is not a comfortable tablet experience. And Windows is really not suited for uh, for touch navigation, no, no matter what big Windows fans will say. I'm a lifetime Windows user, and which is a little bit odd for somebody who writes about Apple. But uh, there, there are a lot of us. I've just never found Windows to be a compelling touch experience, even on a smaller device like the, the Surface Go. So I've always preferred the iPad for that. And once I started writing again, I've always found the iPad to be, you know, my pr- preferred writing device. Uh, it, it's just the ease of use, how fast it is. I, I've always preferred it. So whether it's personal use at home, watching videos, or or my writing for the site, uh, the iPad Pro is definitely my go-to device at home. So with you using Windows as your alternative OS, as some of our listeners use Mac as their alternative OS when they're not on their iPads. What's your experience like with iCloud and some of the other things that we may take for granted as Mac users in our spare time? There is a, an iCloud plugin for Windows. It does work. I, I've used it for bookmark sync uh, with Chrome or Firefox on my 
my work laptop to my iPad and iPhone. But that's about it. The the photos extension, I've had issues with it, wanting to dump way too many photos on on my work laptop. Being an SSD, it, it's not unlimited room. I, I think I've got a 512 now, but uh, when I first started, it was a 128. I certainly couldn't <laughs> couldn't do that. Uh, same with, with iCloud Drive. And I'm already kind of entrenched using Box. I do use iCloud for, for some stuff for my iPad and iPhone, but but that's about it. So I don't tend to, to use the iCloud Sync a whole lot on my Windows machine, other than I will use the iCloud.com a little bit. The news publisher, whenever I publish an article, I've never found any of the plugins for WordPress to be all that great. So I tend to just repost articles using the the Apple News news publisher publisher that's built in. And if I ever need to access notes or anything, I'll just do it there. Okay. And does being a Windows user influence which writing apps you pick out for your iPad? Does it matter if there's a Windows application, the, the counterpart with your iPad app? Not really. Typically, if I do anything writing-wise on Windows, I'll just use the, the WordPress online CMS. And typically, I just use the WordPress app on my iPad. Since the Safari got an upgrade, I, I have used it on occasion for some things. I'll, I'll go back sometimes and edit and, and preview there. But I find that the good thing about the app is stability in that you'll never lose a draft like you could if, if your internet connection gets a little bit flaky. And even with the so-called desktop class Safari uh, in the latest iPad OS, it, it is an improvement, but there's still a little bit of wonkiness with WordPress. So I, I tend to use the WordPress app on the iPad for my drafting. Okay. And the trackpad didn't improve that even further to let that be something that's an option now? I do love the trackpad. Uh, as soon as 13.4 beta hit, uh, I went and bought a, a Magic Trackpad 2, which not being a, an Apple user on the desktop, I did not own anything like that before. Uh, typically, uh, a mouse is just fine for Windows. Uh, mouse support's fine with the iPad, but I did find the trackpad experience uh, much more preferable. So I uh, definitely enjoyed using that when it came out. And I have a mixed experience with the Magic Keyboard so far, but I do really like the trackpad. And in my home use, the Magic Keyboard is pretty perfect. So do you end up using a remote desktop setup with your iPad? Especially with the trackpad, are you now able to access your Windows setup from your iPad to do certain tasks that you don't feel comfortable yet on iPad? I have done it before. We have a terminal server at work and a, and a pretty good internet connection there. So uh, I've used just the Microsoft RDP app, the free one, to access that and perform some tasks before. Uh, I've published one weird thing about Safari on, on the iPad Pro. The news publisher icon in uh, iCloud.com will show up now, but you cannot post there. You, you cannot create an article. Uh, there's something about that interface that still doesn't, uh, doesn't line up with Safari on the iPad yet. So uh, there's been a couple of times in a pinch where I'd open up that terminal server. And it does make it much easier with the trackpad to select text because that's what what I'm essentially doing is going through the article and copying and pasting it over. The trackpad does make that a lot easier. So yeah, I do use RDP for that and, and a few other tasks. Okay. The news publisher thing is interesting. So on the iPad, does it just give you statistics with how your articles are doing or what's it actually provide there? They do have a, a, a limited analytics setup. It gives you some pretty good short range choices like today, yesterday, last 28 days. And and you can go through and select, but it, seeing any further back than a few months is very difficult and tedious. Uh, it, it's good for what it is. So far, our performance has actually been pretty good there. I, I have found that surfing the web isn't what it used to be. 
So uh, a lot of sites are all over social media. They're on YouTube. They're branching out into other things. And I've tried to do the same. I'm not a big video or YouTube guy, but I have gotten us uh, pretty connected on Apple News. And uh, so far, we're almost on par post for post uh, with traffic there as opposed to the, the general site today. And then we've also, we've been on Flipboard really since they started doing, I guess, uh, publisher content. Uh, Patrick had signed up there quite early on. So we've got a, a pretty good, pretty sizable follower count there. So uh, we'll see a lot of article traffic from there too. And, and both of them have analytics, which is nice. Yeah. But it's not quite like Google Analytics. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anything else about the home setup that you'd like to share before we move on? Well, I touched on it before, but I've had some kind of mixed comments about the Magic Keyboard, which I guess most Apple bloggers have been pretty excited about it. Uh, I was very excited about it when it was announced. I've been very critical of the uh, smart keyboard and smart keyboard folio. I own the folio, but I owned it because there really weren't very many other options at at the time uh, other than the bridge, which I ended up uh, migrating to a few months ago. I've never liked the keyboard. I just find the the key action to be really stiff and uncomfortable and just never really got into it the way a lot of Apple fans did. So I like the fabric aspect of it. Like if you're going to use the smart keyboard versus magic keyboard, I do like the fact that you can spill stuff on it, eat food over it, throw dirt on it. You can just wipe it off. That is the one part that's just great about it. Yeah, now that is an advantage. I, I guess never having been burned by spilling onto a laptop, I guess I, I don't appreciate the way I probably should because uh, that can happen to any of us any time. I'm a big fan of a of good keyboard feel. I, I love a good key response when I type. And I guess that's kind of because I'm a bit of a heavy-handed typer and it just didn't fit well with, <laughs> with the way I type. So. I much prefer the Magic Keyboard in that respect. I guess I had a little bit too high hopes of how versatile it would be. I guess I can really fault it because it's pretty clear that's this is how Apple designed it. They did not design it to be a catch-all device. I guess that's more what I was hoping for. Does the bridge flip all the way around? It does, but you have to take it out and put it back in. So you do have the option. It's a little cumbersome. But because it's clipped in, yeah, if you take the iPad out and flip it over, then you can do kind of the tent setup or you can it doesn't have a 360 hinge like a lot of two in one laptops like my yoga does. Yeah. So you do have to take it out with the clips. Is it at all scary putting it in? You're worrying to damage it in any way. Like if you do that frequently, take it in, take it out. I've never had any issues with worrying about damaging it. They're pretty heavily lined with rubber. Okay. Uh, they haven't left any marks on my device. With the previous version, just the the Bridge Pro, the clips were smaller, and my only and, and I never had an issue where it fell out. But I was a little bit worried a few times that I, I would always kind of flip it around and check that I seated it in there enough because it, it felt like if if you didn't get it in there completely snug, that the keyboard could fall off if you were carrying it around. Right. Uh, the new version that I just got, the Pro Plus, that has a trackpad, has much bigger clips in the back. Uh, so it feels more stable, and when you're moving it with the hinge, it, it definitely feels better. It's more smooth. You don't feel like you have to put both hands on it to position it and kind of work at it anymore. It, 
So I, I think that was a good improvement that they made to the, the, the new design. But I've heard the trackpad is less than ideal. My experience so far has been that single finger tracking is great. I haven't had any issues with that. It, I had to change the speed in settings, but it tracks pretty much as well as the Magic Keyboard. Does it show up as a trackpad in settings? Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. Just no four finger, three finger gestures, right. which are very handy. Yeah, they unfortunately, yeah, they did. They designed it before all that was announced. So uh, evidently the trackpad they used is not capable. They didn't come out and say that to me directly <laughs> from the wording of the email I got back. It sounded like they feel like they can improve the two finger response in these firmware updates. But yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like the three finger actions can be added. Okay, I have found that since they have the function row, you can compensate for the loss of it if gestures are not a big deal, which I kind of like the gestures, so I haven't decided whether that's going to be a, a bridge too far. But you do have the home key up in the top left corner, so you can use that to go back to the home screen or to the app selector. Uh, and you can still go down and pull the dock up and move apps just using the trackpad and going to the bottom of the screen. So you can work around not having the gestures kind of the same way that you can work around not having the function keys with the magic sure. keyboard yeah each has its trade-off so for at home usage is the magic keyboard your preference and then at work you probably want a different setup and we'll get into what you do for work but it sounds like the magic keyboard isn't a fit for your day job as far as typing it's great sitting at a desk it's fine but when i'm working in the field which is what i'm doing mostly these days the angle adjustment is a bit limiting there are times when i'll take my laptop or and or the ipad around on a cart which has them a little bit lower and me standing up straight and you want to build the bridge can do this you can angle it back a little further so you're looking more straight down on it can't really do that with the the magic keyboard that's a smaller thing the bigger thing for me is walking around a job site i don't want to use my pad without a case that's not a really good option the bridge you at least do have the capability to flip it over and give it some a little bit of security the option with the magic keyboard is i, I have to bring in another case with me to put it in whenever i remove it from the the magic keyboard base and leave that behind where I'm working right now, we kind of have a, a base of operations that I can leave things in. Uh, but if I'm walking around a job site where we're quoting new work or an example would be there's a large healthcare plant that we work in that's over a million square feet. While I might be set up in their office, if I'm walking across that plant, I can't leave the magic keyboard behind halfway through and walk around with my iPad. I've got to have somewhere to put that or carry right. it. So that becomes a little bit of a stumbling block if you're using it as a tablet. Where do you put it? Where do you leave it behind? So far, I usually carry my backpack with me, so I'll slip it in my backpack. That can be cumbersome, stopping in the middle of a plant, swapping things around, putting my iPad in a case. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit less than ideal in that environment. And something like an invisible shield is not enough protection. You want something that if you drop it, it would protect it from damage. Yes. Like uh, I've been carrying either a, I had a, a pad and quill leather case, which is their leather is thick enough that it provides a, a pretty good layer of protection all the way around the device. And it has a strap that will hold it closed that, or uh, I've been a big fan for protective cases of UAG devices over the years, uh, urban armor gear and their metropolis case is a good lightweight case that still, gives good padding, good protection to the 
iPad at the corners and has a uh, screen flap that you can take off or, or leave on depending on what you're doing. So also has a uh, it covers the pencil if you have the screen flap on it so okay. or the screen cover. So everything's nice and secure. So that if I'm using the iPad without a keyboard, that's usually what I put it in. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Paperlike. In this quick break, I want to share why I love the Paperlike. In case you don't know about the Paperlike. The Paperlake is a screen protector that transforms that slippery glass screen into a surface that is much more tactile and enjoyable to use with the Apple Pencil. I cannot overstate just what a big difference this is for the Apple Pencil experience. Prior to having the Paperlake, the Notes app was just impossible to use. The lack of zoom in that app meant writing would need to be incredibly large and it was just unusable for me. Now with the Paperlike, the Notes app is finally the great note-taking app I've seen praised by so many, and especially with the improvements in iPadOS 14, it is a joy to use now with the Paperlike. The Paperlike is the essential accessory for every Apple Pencil owner. Scribble is now here in the iPadOS 14 public beta, and I can't imagine trying to write legibly on my screen without the Paperlike. Installing the Paperlike was straightforward and easy. In the past, with iPods and other devices, I'd put screen protectors on, and I'd never be happy with the results. With Paperlike, I got it right the first time. And besides the better Apple Pencil input, I'm also loving that fingerprints don't really show up anymore. And now that summer is here, I'm finally able to use the iPad in my backyard because of the Paperlike. That reduction in glare really is huge. For me, this is an essential iPad accessory, and will be even more so when Scribble launches for everyone this fall. My thanks to Paperlike for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at paperlike.com slash iPadPros. That's paperlike.com slash iPadPros. Now, back to my interview with James. So, what exactly do you do at your day job? What roles do you fill? I work for a contracting firm. So, we handle building services so firm-wide and we're probably the the largest contracting firm of this type in our metro area which i live close to memphis tennessee so we handle sheet metal plumbing electrical mechanical installation hvac service Uh, the area i work in is typically heating and air conditioning controls but that role as as iot has become more prevalent as buildings become smarter more connected that role gets broadened out to general systems integrator or master systems integrator and we're getting into systems that deal with energy that deal with access control that deal with building analytics and all sorts of things beyond just heating and air conditioning. Okay. And internet of things, this is not consumer level. um, Right. This is uh, not uh, your Wemos. This (laughs) is something a bit more complex. Yes, it is. So typically what, and we've been doing this, or I've been doing this, I guess, 19 years now, almost to the day, Uh, I guess, actually two days from now will be my my work anniversary. So we've been dealing with connected systems really since the mid eighties. Of course, those earlier systems were much, uh, much more crude compared to what we can do today. But HVAC systems, I guess, fire alarm systems, access control have really been at this for a long time. And it's, it's kind of interesting to watch home automation develop because they're really reinventing wheels that our industry has been, been using for a long time. Now, we've had open communication standards that all vendors use really since the early 2000s. And it's kind of funny to see that home automation is just now starting to arrive at some standards like that. 
while everybody kind of fights for their piece of the pie. Our industry solved this problem a long time ago. Yeah, like if you watch the original Mission Impossible, the fire alarm goes off in section two, and they're able to see what section the fire alarm is going off, stuff like that, right? Yeah, and that's basically you know what I've done is anything, starting with the HVAC systems, but typically for customers that want to go beyond that, anything that can communicate, there's very few things we can't connect to and and add at least a communication interface to the system, if not take full control of it through all kinds of different standards. And I, I guess you get the same things in all kinds of different fields like uh, PLCs and industrial applications and uh, traffic light control. Everything is connected. Typically in our world, what we're doing is connecting large buildings or large campuses so that maintenance personnel can pull up a web interface and see everything from one location. And manage it from there. And do you know, do those web interfaces work well in iPads or is that something you need a bigger browser for? That is something that is getting better <laughs> every year. There's been a big move in our industry away from Java, which, you know, Java gets a bad rap now and, and for good reason because of its security risks and how clunky it is. And, you know, like Flash, it's not compatible with anything mobile. But when we first started doing web interfaces in the late 90s and early 2000s, you needed a way beyond HTML to be able to serve up animated graphics that conveyed what's going on in the system in a, a good visual representation. HTML wasn't up to that challenge at the time, but it is today. So all of the systems, the newer systems have moved to HTML5. And we've got some customers on the older systems that we're still struggling to get upgraded, but most of those are going end of life at this point. And all of our newer systems, yes, they are the web interfaces are HTML5. You can pull them up on a phone or iPad. Uh, responsive design has now become a part of a lot of these systems. So when you pull it up on a phone, you're not having to zoom like crazy to right. see a desktop screen, but it actually reorients and zooms and scales elements down, which is really nice. So the iPad is great for its modularity. It's able to kind of morph into a tablet or a laptop. Has the iPad served you in ways you didn't use a computer for traditionally, perhaps like upgrading from pen and paper to an iPad? Yes, absolutely. The iPad Pro, really, that that's what, what stuck with me, was the ability to use the pencil. And I used to try all kinds of styluses, or styli, I guess the better term yeah. would be. I tried some that were... I guess they were termed active style. I would have a battery and generated their own capacitance so they could have a small tip. Didn't feel like the old kindergarten crayon styluses, but it, none of them were responsive enough to really be all that usable. You, know, you had to really work at it. The Apple Pencil took all that away. And it's one of the reasons after kind of stepping away from the iPad for a couple of years and, and focusing more on the big screen iPhone, I came back with the iPad Pro at work we work with blueprints all the time. And in my role now where I'm not just a, a programmer and systems integrator, I'm a project manager. I'm dealing with large scale prints right now on a, an NBA basketball arena. There's obviously a lot of equipment in this building. And while I originally started taking the job off when we were estimating it using a paper set of plans like we would have in the past, I've moved more and more until now. Everything is exclusively done on the iPad. I mean, what happens when you lose those paper plans? What happens when you need to share those details with somebody else? It's very limiting. Having that on the iPad and all digital is, has been a, a huge step up for me. 
And what's Blueprints look like digitally these days? Is it a PDF? Is it a app that's designed for Blueprints where you're able to like filter out certain aspects of the design to only show you, say, all the HVAC systems and hide everything else? Or what, what do these things look like these days? Typically, I've been using PDFs just because usually we will get a mechanical set of drawings that's nothing but the mechanical system. So uh, the architectural, plumbing, electrical details will already be removed by the the engineer. So typically I found it easiest to share and just mark up prints in PDF form. But, you know, there's plenty of CAD viewers and even a few CAD editors for the iPad, uh, where if you needed to drill down into some finer detail, you, we could. Typically it's just easier for me and my role to, to work with the PDF. And what application do you tend to use for annotating those PDFs? Uh, PDF expert is the one I've uh, been using lately. Okay. Yeah, I found it to be super reliable. I was using an app called PDF Viewer before that, and it was working well for me. And then after a crash, I ended up losing (laughs) some data, (laughs) which was very concerning. I, Thankfully, I was able to piece most of it back together from emails I had sent out to my colleagues. <laughs> but uh, yeah, w- once you get burned by a data loss on a on an active project, that you don't forget. So yeah, and I think it with that app, I don't think it was the app as much as how it tied in with iCloud Drive and something happened where it was I think iCloud Drive wasn't saving what the app was sending to it so it may have actually been uh, on iCloud Drive's end not the apps okay I don't want to necessarily blame the developer because it it sounded when I was talking to them like it may have been an issue they knew about it it wasn't really something they could fix and are there any other roles the iPad serves that work for you Uh, it's a great second screen even with Windows you can use an app And, and I know that's built in with the with uh, Mac OS and iPad OS now, with, was it Sycar? Yes. Duet's still around, and I can use a USB-C cable, plug it in, and actually use it as a physical second screen. And, and a lot of times I don't have to do that necessarily. I can just manage my email, project management in Trello, or, or be working on PDFs and plans while I'm focused on my engineering, estimating, and programming on my laptop. And because it's so portable, it it all fits in my laptop bag together. As far as you know, working uh, as a somebody who's been pretty mobile the last couple of years and having to work either on job sites or on the road, uh, it, it's a perfect device for that. And back to Apple Pencil a little bit. Did the Apple Pencil two change anything about the way you work? I mean, is it that double tap? Are you using that anywhere? Is it a matter of just that it's always available with it being charged more often? <laughs> that last part is where you hit the nail on the head. The biggest drawback to the first pencil was that I would go to use it and it wouldn't be ready. And <laughs> that can kill the experience because you got to plug it in and have it sticking off the side of your iPad, which we all fondly remember for five, 10 minutes to, to get enough charge to be able to work with it. Where now I know all the time since I keep it with me pretty much all the time. Anytime I pull it off the side of the iPad, it's going to be ready to go. It's a virtuous cycle, I guess, is the best way to say. Uh, because you know it works, you tend to use it more uh, because it's reliable. Yeah. And did you ever play around with the crayon? I'm not sure if that would make sense in the more industrial setting or not. I did. thought one of my kids would end up liking it, but we ended up getting her a used Apple Pencil. She has an iPad mini, and she's – I am not an artistic person. <laughs> I use the pencil for work, and – I use it to take meeting notes. I find that uh, meeting notes stick with me if I handwrite them rather than type them. So I, I'll use notability for that a lot of times in meeting settings or in training classes. Things just 
they stick better when I write them out by hand. Uh, but she's very artistic. Uh, she loves the Apple Pencil. But we did try the crayon first. Okay. And with Notability, are you able to record audio and does it sync that up to what you're drawing? Or how do, how do you use that app? Uh, that, that is the best meeting app. I, I really wish I had had that in college and grad school because it would have made my life so much easier. <laughs> but yeah, anytime I go to a training class, and for the systems we work on, there's a lot of those <laughs> Uh, I think for the system that Schneider Electric produces that, that we work on, there's about seven or eight classes that I think three are required, but you really need to go to all of them. And they're all around a week. You sit in these classes and you're trying to absorb all this detail, but you're obviously going to forget some things. So being able to record the entire lecture and just take down the highlights, things that I know that I'll want to refer back to you later or that are important, then you can scrub your audio right to that position when you have that question six months later in the field and, and instantly be able to find it on your iPhone or iPad. That I've found that to be pretty invaluable. And how large is your Notability app documents at this point? Or is it taking up a lot of space with all that audio? It's not as bad as you would think. I haven't checked it in a while. But not enough to make a huge difference uh, for... No, it's not eating up a, a huge part of my storage. And I think after a certain period of time, it may offload them to... I, I know it, they back up to iCloud Drive if you select that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'd probably need to go back and dig a little bit. Uh, it's not something I do all the time, I'm, but I've done it for several classes and meetings, and I haven't run into any storage issues with it. Okay. For project management, uh, Trello, is that the tool you use to work on those? Yes. And it, while it may not be the best project management suite available, it's fairly inexpensive. The pro version, I think, was less than $50 a year, uh, which is pretty palatable since I'm charging that to a job. It's very easy to use. It's very easy for someone who's maybe not totally computer savvy uh, to be able to understand if you share the details with them. And that's one of the reasons I use it is because there are some great tools for the iPad that are very Apple and Mac centric, like the Omni tools. Uh, that's when I, I looked into coming up with a better way to handle project management for a couple of these larger projects we had coming up a couple of years ago. And the big stumbling block there was the fact that it was very centered around the Mac. And they are kind of expensive, where with Trello, it was cheaper, and I can share it using the web. I can share it using iOS or Android apps. So it was very ubiquitous, easy for anybody else to, to join in and uh, share data back and forth. So Gotcha. And with Trello, you have different projects, and within that, you have different lists, and you're able to move these cards around. Like, What's your setup for actually managing these projects within Trello? So typically, I'll have a Trello board for a project and uh, I'll lay out lists by trade and task. So I'll have all of my typical tasks. So if I open up the one for the project I'm working on right now, I've got several tasks or areas of the building that are listed here, like types of air handlers, locker room areas, admin building, project background tasks, mechanical equipment issues, deficiencies lists, repairs, change orders, and all these different things that are ongoing. And, and different people that are working with me will look at different ones, different lists that I have here. So, you know, some of these will mean nothing to my electrical installers, but they'll have certain lists that they key on that they know that they need to pull from that list. And those are the things that they need to be paying attention to. And I guess for a larger project, we might break that out into lists that only certain people would see. Okay. The other good thing about Trello is there's a lot of good free and inexpensive plugins. So you can actually export Trello boards as Gantt charts, 
set them up as calendars and, and do a lot of different things with them. Uh, so there's several integrations like that, that, that made it a good fit as well. Do you use shortcuts or any of the other automation tools that might be more cross platform uh, that are out there? I use shortcuts, probably not as much as I should <laughs> between work and writing. The last couple of years, I haven't had as much time to sit and play. That's one of those things where I probably need to go sit and listen to a, a few hours of Federico Vitici and <laughs> learn more about shortcuts and all the amazing things you can do with it if you spend the time to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. I've created a few things for like collecting expense receipts and things like that and automating it where we can take a group of snapshots and instantly email it off to the person at work with a job title on it. And I've done some simple things like that. The one thing that I have liked is that you can use this sort of in place of being able to change default apps. I've done some things with mapping and directions where it'll give you the choice of what mapping app that you, uh, that you want to use. So you could switch between Google or Apple, depending on like I'll use Google in town because it'll give me the traffic updates that are pretty accurate where I might use Apple for a longer trip because it integrates with my watch and I'll get the pings on my wrist. So uh, I do like that. So you mentioned programming a while back. Is that something you still do? And what language do you end up writing in? And is that possible on iPad or is that still something you need to do on Windows? Uh, that's something that's it's still on Windows for us in our industry. And there's a few industries like this. We're not using as much of the traditional programming languages that most programmers would recognize. A lot of what our industry does is akin to Visual Basic. It's literally referred to as block programming, where depending on the system, you may be actually spreading blocks across the screen and physically linking them, and blocks or blocks, math operators, blocks with specific uh, if-then or and-or functions and math functions. And that's a lot of what our industry has used. It's very visually based programming. And that's kind of similar. And I guess because they're sort of parallel industries to the industrial world and ladder logic that uh, is used to program PLCs. Okay. Now, there is scripting languages that we use. They're typically very much like basic, though, uh, very rudimentary. There is one system that we use that has moved to Java, and <laughs> that, that's a bit much for me. I did take a couple of courses and dabble in it a little bit, but uh, it, it I've never had enough need of it to really keep that skill set up. So the system we're using now is is a little bit more plain English, basic scripting language that you can use alongside block programming for things where script works better, which is it's nice to have the option to do either. Yeah, but really all of that is relegated to the Windows applications that we use to engineer these systems. It's very specifically oriented to that. But our industry is sort of moving towards the cloud. There's an access system that, that we actually use now that is, has an option to be completely cloud-based. And you could actually pull that system up from the web and do at least basic editing. And what they're telling us is that you're going to see a lot of systems, more and more systems move online, and that the tools will become more and more web-based. But right now, uh, other than we do have a commissioning app that they that they released a couple of years ago that work with our controllers. And it's really nice because I can send a guy out with just an iPhone and not a laptop and a guy that is not a programmer. And he can plug in a Bluetooth dongle or get Wi-Fi access to a controller and check it out and see everything that's going on with it. And that's not something we could do five, ten years ago. It, it's moving that direction. Okay. And then 
Anything else we didn't cover about how you use the iPad at work or even at home that you'd like to touch on before we wrap it up? Covered most of it. It's really been kind of a Swiss Army knife for me. Anything that I need to do quickly, anything that is a better experience using touch or using a pen or pencil. I mean, my Yoga C930 has a a stylus docked into the side of it, but uh, I still go to my iPad anytime I, I need to use something to mark up a print. It, it I just find it to be a, a lot better experience. So, And I'm excited for what the future holds. It seems like Apple's really gaining steam with iPad OS. They're really starting to lean into the features that a lot of us, as someone who's used an iPad at work for a while, there's a lot of features that I was begging for for years. And it seems like we're getting those features now and that they're really listening to People like us that want more power in the platform, and they're delivering it, and I'm really excited to see where they'll take that next. Yeah. Imagine if when they do external display support, if they could also enable iPads to have a target display mode option so you could plug an iPad into another iPad and use that second iPad as an external monitor that's touch-enabled for your existing iPad. I honestly think there's just no way they can't do that. iPad OS 14. They've set it up where that just seems like the most natural next step after the trackpad. And I was shocked that they went full bore with trackpad support in a point upgrade. I I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. Uh, And that they delivered it so well. I mean, for a for a first shot at it, they did such a good job. Uh, Even people who've criticized it a little bit can't complain too much. It it really is well done. And it just seems like that's the next natural step in that evolution. And, it, you know, as a Windows user, I, I've had this argument with people who are big Windows fans. I just don't see a lot of movement. And I know Panos Panay is trying to pump some life back into Windows and and move that platform in a different direction. And there's uh, Windows 10X is supposedly coming later this year that's going to shake up the the user interface a little bit. But I'll believe it when I see it because I've heard this story for so many years as a Windows user. It, it just doesn't go anywhere. And the Surface hardware is it's it's nice for if you oh, want a yeah. Microsoft or Windows hardware. That's really nice hardware. There's also a Surface Studio. That's like I'd love an iPad that size. Like that seems great. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Windows is. I mean, it's good for what it is. The Surface hardware, in my opinion, other than the Go, the Surface Go it succeeds because it has more power. It has enough power to overcome the shortcomings of Windows as a mobile OS. Right. But I tell anybody, how good is the experience when you remove the type cover? And it's it's not good. It's yeah. just really, and unless you're just watching a movie, it's, it's not, Windows just as it stands today, wasn't made for that. And it really shows up on the, the Surface Go because of the smaller screen. And it, it just doesn't match up anywhere close to an iPad as yeah. far as speed or cost or instant on. I mean, it, you still have to eventually shut it down and boot it back up like a, a Windows PC. <laughs> and, and that should change. And, and you're right. The Surface hardware, as far as quality, is really top shelf. But as far as a mobile operating system that has more power now, I, I'll take iPad OS. And I love the direction it's going. It. It just seems like there's a lot more momentum behind it right now. And it'll be interesting to see if developers developers still care about the iPad. But if the sales numbers pick up some more and the developers embrace 
the new direction that the platform's headed, I, I think it could get a lot more exciting than it is now. Yeah, the trackpad support is just so well done, especially with developers that take the care to implement it. Like with Ferrite, I've talked about this before, but it does things with the trackpad that I wish Max could do. It makes the cursor better here than it does on Mac. You can hit, hold on option. It brings up a huge selector uh, beam where you're able to select, and it's very obvious what the trackpad's doing right now because it shows, oh, I'm in a selecting mode. And it like turns into a volume knob when you're over a volume. Like It improves upon what we've had before in meaningful ways. I agree. And it seems like, I don't want to say it's an admission. You know, a lot of people piled on after the announcement of the trackpad support saying, oh, well, Apple's admitting that Microsoft was really right when they designed the Surface and just put it all together in one device. I, I don't necessarily see that as true. But I do think for a long time with the iPhone and the iPad, they were so focused on touch can do anything. And let's see where how far this goes. Touch is great for a lot of things, but touch isn't great for everything. And having the trackpad now to balance it out really makes it a complete device, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's great that they thoughtfully added it versus just bolted it on. Yep, and I, I think that's what Microsoft's guilty of with touch and pen. And I, they tried with Windows 8 to move in a little bit different direction, and, and that was, unfortunately for them, a, a big disaster. It is bolted on there, in my opinion. So I I do prefer the direction that, that Apple's going. Yep. And I kind of hope that Microsoft will catch up a little bit so that they can push each other. Uh, you know, competition is good. So. It definitely is. Uh, before we wrap up, I forgot to ask, when you edit these PDFs, annotate them, these uh, blueprints, they're getting saved off to box.net. Is that your storage that you have access to on Windows or what does that actually look like there? Yeah, that's typically what I've used. That's the place I've got the most storage space. So we do have a file server at our office and that's what most of our estimators are using because they typically are based in the office. But uh, since I'm in the field most of the time, I will eventually upload my files there. But it, that's not a good solution for me when I'm on the go having to try to VPN in or you know, hope I can get a connection to the office to get to my files. So, yeah, because Box was the place I had the most storage, that's where I started putting everything. So it just happened to be the most convenient service. But the fact that it is cross-platform, uh, they have a pretty good Windows integration. And same with the iPad where you can select. So I've got certain folders that I will fully sync that are, you know, gigs apiece. But the rest of it, I'll, I'll leave in the cloud and just access it through the internet when I need it. And that's good. And you're on a Wi-Fi or cellular iPad for all this? Uh, Wi-Fi currently. Uh, okay. I used my my iPhone for hotspot. And the tethering's fast enough for what you need? It is. Uh, okay. we, I've got an AT&T unlimited plan. It, that provides good signal here. We, we get good LTE here pretty pretty much throughout the area that I travel in. So uh, I haven't run across any dead zones lately. Okay. So, yeah, pretty much anywhere I'm at, I can get signal and, and do what I need to do. Yep. Yeah, tethering with T-Mobile, whatever plan I'm on, it just seems heavily throttled for the speeds, even though I have unlimited data on the phone itself. It just wasn't a good solution, tethering for me. Yeah, and that it actually, we just switched to the unlimited plan because it became cheaper than what I had. And the reason that I held out or couldn't use the lower tier unlimited plan was because the hotspot was either limited or not available. Right. So... Now that that plan's become cheaper, uh, the the higher tier, we were able to go ahead and, and move to that. And they still cap hotspot use at 30 gigs, but I'm not using that much. I just need to have, like you say, a full speed connection when I do. Yeah, you're not torrenting a bunch of like... Uh... <laughs> no, no, this is purely for... Pretty much my hotspot use is purely for work. Yeah. 
Well, excellent. And then where can people find your work over at iPad Insight and all the other things you do out there? All right. So iPadInsight.com. We are on Flipboard as well. We have a channel there. We are also on Apple News. If you use the Apple News app, uh, you can find us on Twitter at iPad Insight blog and on Facebook at iPad Insight. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, James, for your time today. It's been great uh, chatting with you and learning more about how you get work done with the iPad. Well, thank you so much for having me. really appreciate it and love the show. Well, that was my interview with James Rogers. My thanks to James for his time recording this interview. And make sure to check out his work over at iPadInsight.com and to follow at iPadInsight blog on Twitter. My thanks again also to Paperlike for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at paperlike.com slash iPadPros. And finally, my thanks to you for your time and attention today listening to this episode. And with that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.